Hello, the internet, and welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast, where my compadres and I get to select one film, one album, and a top five list each week to be reviewed and discussed over a pint or two. I hope you'll join us for a drink and some daft chat about pop culture. My name is Will Holden, and today I am joined by Andy Malvin. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Steve. Excellent. I'm also joined, as usual, by Mark Wall. How are you, sir? All good, mate. Thank you. Wonderbar. Uh, but this week we are joined again by Sam Bates of the famous Bates Motel. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I'm great, mate. Thanks. Uh, very excited to be here. And back. I'm glad to get the uh, the return, the invite. It's uh, nice to be here. Yeah, we thought we didn't give you enough of a roast in last time, so brought you back for a second <laughs> crack of the whip. So your film choice, first and foremost, is uh, 1988's Akira. Get ready for me to butcher butcher some Japanese names. I apologise in advance. It's directed... Oh, I, I'm no better, that's fine. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> it was directed and written by the screenplay, at least, by Katsuhiro Otomo. It stars Mitsuo Iwata, Nozomu Sasaki, and Mami Koyoama. Fairly impressed with myself. <laughs> uh, the pitch reads like this. A secret military project endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath. What a sentence who can only be stopped by a teenager, his gang of biker friends, and a group of psychics. That does describe what it is, but that's, <laughs> that seems a rather scattershot approach to describing a film. It was a dream that I saw. You mustn't let that boy go. The city will crumble. So many people, so many will die. We get to meet Akira again. Akira? When will it happen? Sam, it's your choice. What brought you to uh, choose Akira? Well, I wanted to do a podcast based on animation, all animation, and Akira is just, it's a milestone in anime i suppose anime history it's it's just got so much law surrounding it and you know whenever anyone asks me like what animes are worth watching where to start what to do i always point them towards akira it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea it's um it's pretty mental it's uh it's heavy it's colorful and visual and the music's intense and it's long and it's it's not necessarily an easy watch but it's uh like you say it's i think it's an important film for anime for a lot of reasons and and for manga it's 
it's just a good place to start if if you if you're looking to get into it, especially especially as an adult. It's it's something that's not you know a lot of people think of anime and they think of Sailor like Moon. fairy tale stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, um, and kids running about and Pokemon and you know and it's it's just the other side of anime that can be dark. Big boys and, anime. Exactly, it can be dark and serious and interesting and thought provoking and and yeah, challenging as challenging as any Western live action film can be for sure. Andy, Mark, any thoughts? Am I the only person who hasn't seen it before? I think that might be the case. Yeah, because I th- I thought you mentioned that well a bit ago and said uh, that mine might be the most interesting take, having not seen it before. And I think I'm going to disappoint you on that. Um, okay. Because <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's all of those things that you that you said, Sam. Um, it is challenging. It's like it's frantically fast paced. Like it's sort of hectic all the time, which means that it doesn't feel it doesn't drag, even though it's like two hours long. And there's lots of cool bits in it, and I can see why it's hugely influential because of the time that it came out. Because there's a huge amount of films that you can just sort of see its standpoint, and not even kind of and sorry, it's it's like stamp on it. And not even sort of particularly animations, but but I just never found myself like mega invested in it. Like I sort of enjoyed the journey, but it was the sort of film where I probably could have turned it off somewhere towards the end, and I wouldn't have felt that I was like really missing out on knowing how the sort of plot wraps itself up. I don't know. I struggle a little bit to kind of put my finger on the reason why. It, yeah, it's very sort of plot-driven and uh, action-driven at other times, and there isn't a huge amount of space for sort of character, I guess, in there. I think that's that's right, and I think that's partly typical of anime. Like, it's a melodrama, really, and none of the characters really have meaningful development. Yeah. Uh, Tetsuo probably does, but... Yeah, kind of, but it's almost like sort of surface level because you just kind of shown him as he is now, and then it kind of just references how he used to be. Like it's not like you see that growth, and it sort of sounds like I'm being negative, but I did genuinely enjoy it. Like it's a it's a real good fun watch, and um, I say fun like it's really dark in bits, obviously, but but yeah, it draws you into the world, but it didn't necessarily draw me into the the sort of path that the film takes i guess sure yeah i think in in its defense to give a little bit of background like it's it's based on uh six epic manga that i'm not too sure when they were released but in maybe like the the late 70s early 80s and like you say each of them's like 300 or so pages long and like you say the character development in within that is is a lot richer um and a lot of the characters that are only touched on in the film um don't know if you remember there's a bit where they're looking over a balcony um and there's a like a character that's like a priest with some followers on like a, a walkway and there and you can see them trying they're like um 
generating a little bit more interest as the film goes on and it flashes back to him. Like they're one of the main characters in the manga and it's it's literally just a flash within the film. Um so yeah, I, I agree there's not much character development at all. And as a stand a standalone piece, you you're left wanting a bit more from the characters. But I think in terms of adapting it from what it is into a standalone piece, I think it, it would have been difficult to to do it any any better like Canada that's the the main character in the film I don't think he's even considered the main character or Tetsuo like they're not considered the main characters in the manga they're just bit parts in this ridiculously elaborate like political scheme sure totally get that like you can't make a you're not making an eight-hour epic are you You, something has to be cut and and also it's not even a criticism It's, it's just it's just the style choice that they went for. I mean, you could have had more development if you decided to cut out a couple of the, I don't know, like the bike chases or like the more action-heavy scenes. But, you know, they're cool scenes. I'm not arguing that that should be the case. It just maybe doesn't necessarily suit the type of film that I love, I guess. Anyway, but what were your thoughts? thoughts that's Mark? fair enough. Yeah, Marco, what are you thinking? Uh, I love it. I think it's an awesome film. Um, it's probably 10, 15 years since I last watched it, so I'd forgotten a fair bit of it other than the whole uh, ending scene, really, which is pretty difficult to forget. Um, but, yeah, I just love the uh, the style of it. I love the mixture of tone in it. Um, it's a really weird film, but it's really imaginative and creative. And, yeah, like, I... I get what you're saying about character development. For for me, there's more than enough there. I I think you get it just through the the way the main characters interact, and obviously it expands on that a bit in the ending. Um, and I think it it works entirely as it is as a two hour film. I mean, yeah, it might have been nice to see see more, but and also the other thing, I think it it works as an animation. More importantly. I can't, I wouldn't really want to see it as a live action film. I think they've just presented that story perfectly as what it is. And it still feels unique, even though it's uh, clearly influenced a lot of different things. Um, it still feels unique to me. So yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great watch. I agree. I fall on that side of the coin as well. Um, for me, the... The plot, I think, is quite interesting and actually is a little bit opaque, I think, at some parts. And it took me a couple of watches to kind of get what I think happens, ultimately. Oh, God, um, for sure. Like, it's not a film you can half watch. Like, I, I, I had to, like, actually focus to try and work out what the hell was going on with the plot half the time. There are some just, like, throwaway lines that they say once that sort of insinuate certain things going on that you just have to kind of piece together i've never read the manga so i assume it's a bit more uh in depth in there but the film kind of you piece it together but because i have watched it a few times i've kind of enjoyed that that puzzle building of putting it together but the the, the thing that crowns this is just how good the animation is like it's 33 years old and it looks as good today as i imagine it did when it came out and it will look that good forever and the sort of attention to detail in stuff of the animation, I think when you remember that everything that's on screen is like a purposeful decision, 
nothing's incidental not like every shadow that somebody casts and how they move in light somebody's like drawn out by hand um there's loads of parallaxing which is my like favorite animation thing the bit that i saw was when uh, tetsuo first goes into the kind of the crash and there's a big tree in the middle and there are some like mobiles planes and things hung up and they're on a different plane from the like foreground and background so they all move at different speeds it gives that like impression of of depth i think there's a bit where tetsuo i'm not sure if he's actually traveling or just like doing mind powers but the camera kind of rushes down corridors uh like pov and i think that looks fucking awesome there're just so many little bits of just almost perfect animation i think that just look absolutely incredible and i agree with you mark i don't think you could do it live action i also think if it were a series you'd get more of that character stuff but the the budget would be lower the time would be less and i don't think it would look as stunning as it does if it were stretched out over like a tv series even a, a anime series yeah i think it's great it's creepy it's exciting Tetsuo baby's gross. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> like it stands up to rewatches. Sorry, Mark, it does. go ahead. No, sorry, I, I won't go on for long. I just wanted to say that I think it's interesting that the vast majority of characters are pretty unlikable for the most part, like including, well, obviously uh, Tetsuo for obvious reasons, but. Um, uh, Canada as well. He's not like, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty flawed guy, but I was still really behind him. That's again when it comes to the character development and stuff. For me, there was enough. I kind of invested, like, they just seem a part of their world that they're in. They seem to fit within that for me. Um, and yeah, I, I still find it kind of touching and emotional as well. So it, it obviously did enough to, to get me on board. There are definitely those little bits of emotion. A bit I remember is when. I might have to look at the character names here. The Kaori. Anyway, the, the psychic, the, the kind of the female psychic of the trio protects the military dude with the big tash, despite the fact that like he is her captor in effect. And although they've treated them sort of somewhat humanely, they only live that life because they've been, you know, experimented on. And yet she sort of saves him from Tetsuo at the end. And there's some slightly kind of parental relationship going on there so i think there are like spots of emotion where it it works definitely i feel like he's got a bit of an arc from what he's initially presented as the mm -hmm. uh, the soldier main guy yeah even even characters like the uh the politician uh i don't know what he's called the one that looks like a rat that's uh that shoves everything he owns into the suitcase at the end and he's yeah. he's just like absolutely void of emotion like there's the bits obviously where uh, you've got the insurgency like the the rebel the rebel sorry and they the guy makes it back to Ratface's office like against everything that um you know he's been shot and he's literally clawed back to the office somehow to like send him this message like he's, he's on death's door and Ratface literally couldn't give a shit about him he's just like right, great, see you later, I'm off kind of thing and just leaves him to die in his office. And it's, uh, like you say, there's definitely touches of emotion from some of the characters and then, like, there's just this raw, like, just some of them just don't care at all, like, they're in it for themselves. And it's just, 
I just love the way it all spirals out of control and everyone's got their own like vested interests. Like you say, the the military man, even though he's he's kind of a a father figure for the for the three older youngies, they've probably been tested on umpteen times and you know that in itself shows that he doesn't really care about them letting that happen to them but you know what is more important like looking after these three kids or creating this like military super weapon that's gonna help them control control the world yeah i like that it's not just a good versus evil story like it's much more complicated and so even tetsu and uh canada are kind of dicks for, for big chunks of the film but they are your protagonist and the, you know that's who you follow in uh i really enjoyed the sort of fight between uh canada and tetsuo when tetsuo is kind of getting to the height of his powers and it consists mostly of them shouting each other's names before blasting <laughs> tetsuo Classic. Canada, it's good stuff again yeah. just the, the the movement the speed like a bit when they try and kill him with a satellite and he flies up and just crushes this satellite and how they've drawn it, it looks like it's like imploding and then burning up in the atmosphere i don't even know how you go about <laughs> how you even start considering doing that it's just really it's just a epic, grand isn't vision isn't it yeah, yeah sorry well yeah we, we, i think we're pretty much saying the same thing it's uh yeah i mean you see you you look at you look at some of the drawings, like you say, the exploding satellites and Tetsuo turning into whatever that is. And like, you can see the creativity, but then you look at some of the bits in like the, the motorbike scenes and just some of the buildings that are like just high rises and you're looking at the windows and it's like, like how long is, is it taking someone to draw that? You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Like the, the vision behind the film is just, it's epic. And Katsuhiro Otomo, you know, it, it harks back to a time where much like in like the golden era of Hollywood or where budget just wasn't an issue. Like, you know, Japanese animation studios just threw money at these, these projects and, the the director's got to realize this vision that they don't get anymore because it's all, you know, restraints like budgets and how many episodes they need to put out for streaming services, et cetera. And all that kind of stuff just didn't matter in that that era for anime, like that late 80s, early 90s, like ghost in the shell time and that kind of time. It's you get some epic, epic visions being realized at that time for sure. I think as you said, it's like it is prior to sort of cgi being commonplace and even in modern anime now at least backgrounds and stuff buildings will just sort of be copy pasted assets as long as you litter enough of them and they're far enough away like you can't really tell and as you say this is all done by hand like every skyscraper every shot of neo tokyo from above like just all it's hugely impressive I was lucky enough to go to Tokyo a few years ago with a friend and we went to like a working animation studio called JC Stat. And it was just like an office and you got to see these people that were like the top of their top of the class in like the best art unis in, in Japan. And they're all just sat in the booths, just hand drawing, like one person would focus on drawing all the trees for all the scenes and it was just like a slight movement in the leaf in the wind 
and it was just drawing it over and over again. That's how he spent his like Tuesday afternoon, just drawing a palm tree over and over again. And it, it just gives you a real like appreciation for what, what they must have gone through to, to make a vision like that. Churn out. You going, Michael? Oh, that was just going to say, I'm uh, yeah, jealous of uh, the fact that you got to go to Tokyo. It's completely oh, yeah, off, off topic, really, but like, <laughs> that's, that's obviously, awesome. I had to, I had to shoehorn that into the podcast somewhere just to let you all know that I have done that. That was the whole point of coming back on. <laughs> I did want to come back to something you touched on earlier on, Sam. I think, which is the like the sound design. I think from just simple sound effects to like the music, the the layered voices and creepy, like wordless singing. And I just think it's really super effective. I watched most of it with headphones on and there's loads of really great panning of sound effects that again, atmospherically super, like get me into it. Like uh, just bullet casings that you'll hear in your left ear as they hit the floor and just little bits like that, that, along with how great the animation is, really sell the realism, despite it, you know, being an animation, I kind of buy into it. And I think as well, even up to the massively important things like the voice acting, I hear people say things about the voice acting not being great, you know, like the, the I'm talking the dub version. Um, I was going to, I was going to ask that. Did everyone watch the dub version or? Yeah. Yeah. I was I was worried that I was going to get told off because that's what I watched also. I don't really buy into the dub versus sub argument, whatever you, yeah. whatever you find easiest and enjoy. Sorry, Sam, I think you should go. Yeah, I think I cut Sam off. Carry on. No, it's all right. Yeah, point being, like you say, that the the bit in like the the main fight towards the end, Canada, Tetsuo, Tokyo Olympic Stadium, and and the whole fight is it's like iconic anime like they're basically just shouting each other's names between between the fight and and that's like part part of the iconic scene like you get that all the time in in like the big like the Dragon big Ball. anime series Naruto. Dragon Ball and Attack on Titan like half of the half of the series is just someone shouting someone else's name and even though Scree- it's screaming like, say, in mid-flight yeah, absolutely. And even in the dubbed version, like even though the voice acting, some say, isn't the best, I, I think it, it works well. Like you say, it's, they've got some good screeches in that cast for sure. I think it's kind of par for the course for anime is that they're not trying to give realistic performances, I don't think. As I said, it's a, it's a melodrama. Like it's hyper-exaggerated. And I think some of the stilted delivery is, for me, is kind of part and parcel of... of anime it's charming isn't it i think it is yeah i agree agreed yeah plus they're just great names to shout yeah <laughs> tetsuo <laughs> i think i'm ready to score how are you guys feeling i'm good for it yeah 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 sure um yeah i'm good to score um it's uh a completely Bias 10 for me. It's always a 10. Is it out of 10? Do we do it out of 10? Correct. Good. Well, it's a 10 then. Yeah. Sorry, it's it's gotta be. I mean, it's it's pretty boring me having on the podcast because it's it's always positive, but yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's um 
I can sort of expect it with a guest. I mean, it's not likely you're going to bring something and be like, I hate this album. Yeah, now actually, listen, now actually, listen to now it. I've watched it, recommended <laughs> it and watched it. It turns out it is awful. No, it's a, it's an easy 10. It's a, a great film. It's it's impact it's had on on anime for the the following 30 years is a, a massive, and like you say, not even anime. It's, you know, all sorts of uh, other bits and bobs. It's inspired so much sci-fi and, it's great. Agreed. It's in my turn. Looks like it's my turn. I'm not sure. I'm bouncing between two very high numbers. I'm kind of thinking a nine or a 10, to be honest, because I do think there are legitimate criticisms about it, but those criticisms don't impact my enjoyment. I find it rewatchable. I think setting out to do what it did, I think it does it perfectly as a piece of like animation. I think it's, yeah, now I'm like perfect. So the whole package, I'm not really sure why I'd knock a point off. Not sure what for. So I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to jump in because I think Mark's going to go really high. I'm going to give it a seven. It was a positive watching experience for me and a film that's like two hours long. I'm not as critical about longer films as uh, as you will, but time flew by, very enjoyable not heavily invested to be honest and i get all of the um all of the positive things that you've said on the on the the world and um and how influential it is but yeah i could always give a score based on my enjoyment i'd definitely watch it again it was uh give it a couple of years and be uh be more than happy to dip dip back in but yeah seven cool beans no i think you set that out Marco, where are you coming in? I'm similar to Will's thought process, but I'm going to go with a nine. Sam said it at the start. I think it is. It's not. It's not something I would put on all the time. I think I'd very happily watch it once every few years and get a huge amount out of it. Um, but I do think it's brilliant. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a treat watching it again. So yeah, nice one, Sam, for uh, for picking it. Yeah, Likewise, good shout, yeah. Sam. No problem. All right, well, shall we move on to your album? Yeah, uh, sure. Which was Discovery by Daft Punk, but in particular, alongside the uh, sort of running anime micro series. It's called Interstellar Five 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 Five. wanted to choose this because it's essentially it's the album got released alongside um an anime series called interstellar 5555 which was created by toei animation they've done um i think the director was called Leiji matsumoto and he did some other classic animes in the 70s um 
like Galaxy Express 999 and um, oh, there's another uh, Meta Legend as well. Uh, he's got like a really quite a unique anime style, but I just thought it'd be a good one to be in keeping with with animation and anime with it being the one of the only albums I can think of that's got like a an, a story alongside it that runs throughout throughout the whole album. Really, it's uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, do you want me to just carry on with my thoughts, or yeah, roll straight into it, buddy? Yeah, okay. Well, I'd I'd never seen it before a couple of days ago. Like I've I've always enjoyed the album. There was obviously highlights of it, like uh, you know, like some of the songs, Short Circuit, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, and Digital Love, and a couple of the others that that you know everyone knows whether you've listened to the album or not, like. There's been some standout ones and some that I was a bit like on the fence about. Um, but I must admit, having watched it with with the anime, like a lot more of it I could appreciate a lot more than I did when when I was younger or before I'd seen it. Like I can't think I think there's one called Veridis Quo, which is quite slow. Um and there's a there's a couple of others in there that I didn't really connect with when when I used to listen to the album especially when I was younger and then I watched it alongside it and the pacing of the songs relates to the pacing of the anime really well to the point where I I was asking my wife like you know I I don't actually know which is which was made first like I'm, I'm assuming it was the album and then the they collaborated with an animation studio but some of it looks like it it was written to go alongside the anime it's uh really interesting i enjoyed it a lot more watching the anime for sure i don't know i don't know the answer to that but the like i hadn't seen the animation either and i'm not sure i'd listened to the album before but i have seen the music video for one more time and obviously that is a a video from the animation um, which i think existed before the album came out because i think it was a single track so and I think the animation came out after the album. So I don't know whether they'd done that one track and then spun an entire animation off the back of it for the rest of the album. Because I think, I think I'm right in saying that it came out later. So almost like a pilot for to see if it would for the rest. get taken well. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because there are some individual songs where I think I agree with your point there, Sam. I think some of them sound like they are there just to back up this. Uh, is it Night Vision? I think it's only about a minute and 15 long and it's kind of like this almost just breaking the story for a couple of, for a minute. And the song's kind of pleasant, but it, it feels like its purpose is just to back that minute's worth of animation that's moving the story along like a little bit. And one that you mentioned as well, like Veridis Quo, is like six and a half minutes long and... I don't think it changes very much. And I think if you were releasing it just as an album track, I, don't, I just don't think you'd make it that long, in my, in my humble opinion. And I think that it's, it's that long because it serves the, the length of the, that particular like animated clip. But I don't know for sure. But I got similar vibes anyway. Yeah, agreed. I, I thought the same with um, uh, Crescent Dolls as well, which is, I think, like maybe uh, track five. And in the animation at that point, They've kind of the humanizing machine has turned these aliens into humans and they're being exploited as this new band, the Crescent Dolls. And the whole 
the whole video is them being introduced to the world and the, this instant sensation as like a as a band and it's kind of just like a, a montage of them going to like record labels and getting signed and going to gigs and stuff and like the song itself I didn't used to enjoy it especially before I'd seen the animation like it's 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 too repetitive and there's not enough going on in it but then when you watch it alongside that it was like oh I get it it's like you say it serves a purpose to that for sure I thought Crescendo's had a kind of Prapper the Rapper vibe I was into that <laughs> absolutely Marco what are your thoughts chief well, now's a good time to admit that I've not watched the, uh, <laughs> the anime. <laughs> I think it was on the uh, text that Will forwarded that um, Sam had put, like, you must watch the anime. And I just thought, fuck you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> just an absolute diva coming on to the scene, just demanding stuff. I, Sorry I, about that. I'm joking. I had I had every intent to, to watch it, but I just... Honestly, the, the only time I've had to to listen has been on trains and I've tried to watch it, but it doesn't really work. So, yeah. Uh, but in a way, I think it's fine because it kind of gives another viewpoint of just almost treating the music on its own. Because you just said, like, you just made the exact point. You know, it's kind of repetitive and not a lot happens. And you didn't think it was that great until it was combined with the image. So, you know, ultimately, if I'm talking about it as an album, it's it's good. It's it's a good dance pop album. Uh, I don't really like dance pop is the problem. And it immediately presents an issue of, well, how the hell do I determine if I like this or not, whether it's good or not, what, what's more important? Ultimately, I come down on the fact that it's about four or five songs I think are really good. I think you just said most of them. Uh, I like Aerodynamic. I like Digital Love. Uh, I really like Short Circuit just as a production exercise. I think that's super cool. And ultimately, I kind of get enough of, out of it just through those things, just like the amount of little production techniques they've got on with like phase and flange and panning and all of this kind of stuff. It's just, if you get a bit bored of the actual music, which frankly I do at times, I think it is super repetitive and you know more so in the middle of the record, it starts quite strongly. Um, you can always fall back on, well, it's still pleasant enough and it sounds pretty damn good. And I get enough out of it just listening to the kind of production choices and whatnot. Ultimately, I think it's a good album, but it's not one. It's just not a style of music that I'm particularly drawn to. It's interesting because I thought that you and Will wouldn't like it entirely based on that reason, but it's just like way removed from your wheelhouse and I sort of thought that I would like it more and I yeah I agree with all those comments Mark and some bits of it like actively irritated me as well uh one more time especially I just I must have heard that song 5,000 times yeah in every context you know like it was on adverts it's on, like it just Massive. It's funny because like harder, better, faster, stronger. I actively like, and that was exactly the same. Yeah, that's, everything. that's a but, cool track. Yeah, but yeah, one more time. Just it just grates on me now, and I think it's it's oversaturation. But the part of it is that repetitiveness as well. 
The only other track that I really liked that you haven't mentioned, either of you, is uh, Something About Us, which I think is a really cool little like R&B. It's got a nice groove, hasn't it? R&B funk groove. But the fact is, like on almost every song, even if I like the initial groove, which I do quite often, I just get, like I'm desperate for it to expand into something and it never does. And it's never going to because that's entirely what it is. Like, it is a dance album. And, yeah, I thought I'd like it more than I did, actually. Uh, the animation, though, I liked more than I thought I would. I thought the, um, yeah, it's got a cool, like, He-Man sort of style to it. Um, yeah, it's got, a, I, I didn't watch it closely enough to, like, super follow the kind of storyline through it. But um, I actually sort of half watched it twice because I put it on again with the visual and sort of, dipped in and out of watching but yeah just as a as a visual a compliment to it it's super cool i think your assessment of my position andy is is essentially correct like i struggled much more with this musically and my kind of interest in its relationship with the anime is much higher than my kind of enjoyment of it overall um, and i think the kind of just that repetitive kind of nature of dance music I sometimes sort of did my head in a little. I think the album's really front-loaded. Like, I agree with you about things like aerodynamic, digital love. Um, you're right, Andy, something about us is a pretty good track. The ones that have vocals in are immediately more memorable and interesting because the vocals tend to be a bit more varied throughout the song. And I'm not talking like huge amounts, but it at least adds a a melody over the otherwise like quite repetitive background stuff. Definitely want to pick up on the vocals later, but carry on. Stood. Uh, so I think like from the animation perspective, I think that is pretty fun. And I think it's really interesting sort of example of cross media where the two do seem like quite closely married together. I think there's, it kind of, it stretches the plot a little bit in the middle, I think. But I think it does a really good job of just basic visual storytelling. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I understood what happened you know, throughout it without kind of getting anybody's names or any, any spoken bits whatsoever. I think I sort of understood what was, what was going on. And I think that's super impressive. But, yeah, musically, sort of outside of some of the, the big hits, the well-known ones, um, and I agree with you, Andy, about, like, oversaturation there, but I did find most of them sort of overly repetitive and a bit unmemorable. And some songs were just a riff and it either had or didn't have a drum beat. And that was sort of the, the variation. When it's there just to serve the animation, I guess I'm kind of all right with it. My focus becomes on the animation. I'm not really thinking about the song. It's just, it's just there filling in the gaps. But I've got to admit, if I'd listened to it like Mark had of just the album, I think I'd be pretty negative on it as where with the anime, it's, it's bringing me up some. I guess my main issue is the repetitiveness to it. But I think some of the like initial ideas, like riffs and so forth, on most songs are, are pretty strong. Like some of the ones I said one more time, but actually like superheroes and high, high life as well, I wrote down as songs that just the repetitiveness of the riff and the riff not being strong enough for me meant that it, yeah it grated on me like it just sort of 
after a bit, but you just, I was so sick of hearing a riff that I didn't like. Um, but yeah, actually, I think a lot of them have like quite strong sort of opening riffs to them and, and the thing that is driving the song. I just sort of wish they'd mixed it up a bit. Yeah, I think I've always thought the same really about, especially Daft Punk, like I've listened to them since I was younger and uh, like songs off their other albums that are popular like Around the World and Auto Rock, stuff like that. Is it called Auto Rock or Robot Rock maybe? Um, anyway, they're like 60 second songs. Like I listen to them all for 60 seconds and I'm like, yeah, this is a real good tune. And then after like 60 seconds, I'm like, yeah, I need to skip this now. This is uh, it's too much. <laughs> Uh, just in case you wanted any story beats, obviously without names, it was quite hard to uh, get what was going on, but I tried to keep a track of what was happening. Some of my highlights that I quite liked it. Eiffel 65 rip off Daft Punk on Planet Namek. That was the first video. I, I like the appearance of, of David Bluey. He then like gets his comeuppance at the end and turns into a force ghost. Mm -hmm. He was a cool guy. Yeah, nice. Uh, but yeah, some of it I got into a bit where I was just sort of saying, right, they've become a band on Earth, and they're really popular. And then the next one was like, and now they're even more popular. And now they're getting <laughs> even more popular. And until David Bluey came back, like when during a concert, sort of the action kicked in again, and it was car chases and stuff. And I was sort of back into it. But there were maybe three tracks in a row where I was thinking, like, even the sort of plot. Feels like I'm just yeah, sort of re rehashing there's, bits. There's quite a lot of tracks that have literally just like a music video, but in the same animated style. Like it's literally them as a band. And the, the, as you say, one more time, especially is just them playing the song, isn't it? Like that is the yeah. that is the thing. I don't have a big issue with that because I still think it's it's a cool music video. Like I just sure. like I say, I, <laughs> I just like that. It's a real sort of nostalgic animation style that I actually liked. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have an issue with that. It just reminds me of those, like, I don't know, probably mid-90s cartoons. Going back to the music so I can draw Mark back in. The, um, the tracks with vocals a little bit annoy me as well because I think there's loads of examples of, like, usually electronic bands who don't have a set vocalist. And that's a real nice opportunity to bring in, like a lot of people, like the Gorillas do it quite well. I think bringing in um, what's the name? Is it like Little Dragon? It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The point is, like singers with unique singing styles, and like it, it really sort of stamps their style over the track, even if the track is sort of thematically similar. And Daft Punk don't do that at all. Like, I think there's, it's almost, I don't mind processed vocals either. And I think sometimes the processed vocals like work really well, stronger, faster, better at sports. I don't remember the name of the song. Uh, it's one of them. But all the vocalists just seem to like any sort of emotion. It's like they've just been told to sing as like monotone as possible. Like, so it, it's almost like they're trying not to take away from the track. Like, it's just sing this as blandly as you can and we'll add some cool processed things over it. I think I think that's pretty, pretty spot on, really. 
and it kind of ties into the thing where I did I, it's just this genre of music but this this album felt like it as, as well to me it's it's kind of music as maths a lot of the time it feels like kind of scientifically constructed rather than like emotionally driven or it's it is just like it feels like they're just in a room building something rather than it just flowing naturally to me and that's not necessarily a bad thing because some of the production is is excellent and some when they do get into like the kind of synth stuff and like all the vocal manipulation and it goes a bit wild it's super fun to listen to and it's super impressive but on the other hand, you do just get, as you say, six, seven minutes of just chopped up samples with a four on the floor beat. And it's just that that doesn't really sustain anything. Yeah, I just think it would be super cool to have the same track where like positive wise, I'd say like you've got cool opening riff and then you've got some vocals over the top of it. And like to really have the stamp of a like kind of unique singer and their like their actual vocal oh. style melded with that and i just don't think mm-hmm. that happens i feel like i mean i haven't i'm not i had the first star punk album I, i'm not really familiar with their other stuff but i feel like the album after had some guest vocalists i mean obviously they've done the stuff with like pharrell and whatnot but yeah they had like julian casablancas was on one yeah, wasn't it strokes guy yeah. and mm-hmm. i know niall rogers played on the load not that that's mm-hmm. vocal related but at least you get niall rogers vibes yeah. it might be a question because they wanted it to tie together for the sake of the anime they didn't i guess want necessarily that uniqueness to to shine through but i mean i, I agree with you it's just the ones that had vocals in immediately kind of introduced a line that wasn't necessarily the same every four bars and uh that, that provided me a little bit of a hook to to grasp onto musically. It is odd though, like take that because you mentioned it before, Veridis Quo, and it's got kind of a almost like I don't know bark like opening. It's got like a kind of neoclassical like figure at the start. It just yep. does absolutely nothing with it. Initially, I was thinking oh, this is quite interesting. It doesn't go anywhere, and it is annoying because they do have tracks where they do do have all those you know nuance and everything like digital love like it's got bloody acoustic guitar in it and it's got like synth trumpet like counter melodies and stuff and it's it's actually quite interesting and they've obviously got other songs like we spoke about the uh Giorgio by Moroda one which really adds on a ton of instrumentation and goes all over the place so they they That's obviously have it in super cool song yeah it is they they have it in their arsenal to do it they just choose not to a lot Incidentally, has anybody heard uh, Cola Bottle Baby by Edwin Birdsong? It's where, the, it's where the sample from Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger comes from. It's surprisingly similar. <laughs> There's definitely stuff they've added and, like, and expanded on it, but it's a pretty complete sample of just the start of that song. Whoever's editing should cut that in. Yeah, do that. I think they had. Right, should we should we score? Sure. Well, here's the question though: Are you guys gonna give separate scores for <laughs> album and album with anime? Sam, or... Sam just asked that. I can't, I can't be bothered. 
can if you want. My my score is in combination um, because okay. I think I, I considered what I would score them separately, and that's kind of how I arrived where I've arrived. So I can tell you. <laughs> I would like to know. Okay. All right. Well, as I know, uh, I'm going to give it a, a flat berry, and I think that basically comes down to the fact that musically I'd be somewhere around a three. But I actually think the animation is pretty fun and quite successful. It does droop a bit in the middle. And I'd probably go somewhere like a seven. So I just kind of average the two. Uh, I don't think it's by any means kind of bad, which I, I don't want to tip it into four. But um, I, I don't think I'll revisit it, to be honest. Well, I probably won't revisit it, but I think three is harsh. There's plenty of cool stuff going on, but there's no development of that cool idea sometimes. Like, it never builds on it enough for me. And, uh, yeah, a part of that is criticising something for that is a obvious style choice, and it's just not what I'm looking for. But, yeah, I, I think, like, there's enough cool bits. I think three's harsh. Um, I'm going to give it a five. Did you give it a five? I did. The animation really pulled it up for me. Right. Well, I'm going to give it a five as well. I think there's plenty of cool stuff. Some bits of it actively irritate me. Um, and I'm disappointed that there's not enough development or diversity sort of added by vocals. And um, and the animation's cool, but I'm not massively taking that into, into context. It's probably, I don't know, maybe scored up from for the animation. I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, five, sure. I think this time Sam should go last. No, I last think time. I think Sam should go now. It's <laughs> <laughs> big, big ten. Be the filling. Yeah, in I'm sorry sandwich. to break the trend, but yeah, I'm. Uh, it's not a ten. Uh, I think I'll probably give it. I'll probably give it five for the album, but alongside the anime, which I did enjoy. Like, like I say, I watched it the other day and I, I i really enjoyed the whole thing like the whole hour and whatever it runs for so the anime would probably pull it up to a seven so i'm going to give it a six i think marco have you come to a final decision yeah i'm giving it a six explain no no anime considered i just think I'd, you know i'd listen to it in a different way because i knew it wasn't my kind of music so I didn't listen to it like thinking, well, this is going to be potentially something I really love. I just listened to it critically. And I did get quite into all the production touches and just the way it actually sounded and the construction of it. And I did get something out of that. And ultimately, I, I do think when they're on their game, which they are in probably a third of the album, they make really good pop music. Completely agree with Annie. I'm completely done with One More Time. It's really annoying that it starts the album as well because it kind of then needs saving, which it does get saved by the next like handful of tracks after it. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't really score it less than a six. I don't, because it is, I think it's good, you know, for what it's trying to do. I think it's good. It's just an instinctual thing at the end of the day. And uh, sure, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd feel wrong giving it a, a lesser score, really. Fair play. All good. All right, well, with that put to bed, are we ready to move on to the top five lists? Oh, not really. I'm looking at my list now, and it's bad. It's real <laughs> bad. 
Yeah, I think, as, as is mine. I think my list ended up being very much a nostalgia trip with the keeping the idea of like inspiration in my head. It tends to be a lot of like youth triggering things. All right. Well, I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off with perhaps uh, my most obvious and uh, it ties with the film today. It's Spirited Away. It's probably the first big anime that I kind of really got into. And I remember... Uh, watching it at sixth form is some like kids had got hold of a copy and were running it in the media lab and we just went there and did that instead of going to lessons it was the first time I watched it it was a great experience to watch it with other people for the first time it's always stayed uh very long in my memory and although it's one of those films that you know you sort of think of anime and people tend to refer to spirited away I think it's there because it's that good so obvious as it may be number five spirited away Sweet. Oh, I'll go next then, I guess. Oh, okay, um, Sammy. Yeah, so um, for me, another very, very obvious one, but for similar reasons, maybe a little bit of an earlier age, my number five is uh, Final Fantasy VII. I think just before Final Fantasy VII, I've been playing Sonic and uh, a little bit of Mario and not really just appreciating it for the colors and the sounds and the, you know, moving about and jumping. And then I played Final Fantasy seven, uh, my mate Toby's sleepover. And it was just like, it was groundbreaking. Like that first opening scene where you're like looking at the, the stars for the first three minutes of the game or something it's just swirling about and and you're just like what i don't understand what this is like i'm used to just like smashing punks heads in with like glass bottles in like (laughs) streets of rage or something i'm not used to like some kind of poignant storytelling thing so i remember playing it in like the playground like going through the opening level like three of us pretending we were fighting like the shinra or whatever yeah um yeah that's my number five anyway nice I had it in my long list, but specifically for the cutscenes, because they look a bit silly now. But that one with like Sephiroth walking out the fire at the time in like what 1997, 98. Yeah, it was just mind-blowingly cool. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like so, so much data in there that it's over four discs, but it was absolutely worth it. Some some of the cutscenes in that are just yeah, unbelievable for the time. Yeah, great choice. Uh, yeah, I've also got an, um, you know, absolute uh, classic animated film. I've got the music video for Take On Me by Aha. Nice. Pencil draw one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just think it's fucking super cool. Um, some of them, some of the things on my list I think are actually influential and some of them I just really like. You could argue it's influential to me, but I'm not sure how that's influenced my life. <laughs> I don't know. I've just never seen anything like it. I think it's super cool. Like the sort of the the real world and the like comic book kind of uh, framed world that they have that's all like pencil drawn and sort of interact between the two. There's clearly some sort of like romantic sort of fantasy narrative to it. That I don't know. I haven't really followed enough to tell you, but I do really like that the sort of yeah, it's like there's an interaction between those two worlds there and sometimes they're like sort of unable to. Interesting fact, it's directed by a guy called Steve Barron who um, 
also directed the film Mike Bassett, England manager. <laughs> Great fact. Marco, we got you five there, bud. Yeah, um, as is tradition of kind of, um, you know, not really fully understood the intent of the top five. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't know really whether you meant inspirational as in, you know, impact on history or whether it could just be like, I don't know, inspirational in some way to yourself, which is kind of what I've gone with as much as I can. Um, that being the case, number five, bit of a tenuous one, I don't know, but I've gone a Breath of the Wild, the uh, Zelda nice. game. Yeah, that's um, a good call. Mainly because I love the way it looks, which feels fundamentally connected to the uh, the animation, I guess. But I just think it's um, it's not just the characters and everything, which are immensely charming, but I think the actual world it creates and the way that it's, I don't know, drawn, whether that's the, the right way to phrase it. But yeah, the way it looks is just beautiful and it creates this atmosphere, which is unlike anything else. I think the fact that it's not photorealistic massively works in its favour. Um, and yet it's still got some realism to it, obviously. And yeah, even like going, it sounds stupid, but even when I went, you know, walking around like the hills surrounding Edale, like after playing it, I was like, oh, this is, this is like Breath of the Wild. Do you know what I mean? Felt the, like Link in real life. <laughs> the, de- the depth to the world is incredible. Like the the variety mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I I don't think you've done any sort of cheap pick in there. No, I think it's a Not great a- pick. Like the design, the enemies, the as you said, like the different towns. Yeah, it, it looks superb and it functions in that way as well. Like if you think about animation, the way that things move and like things look unique and. Mm-hmm have their own way of trundling about and yeah it's really like engrossing engrossing world yeah great choice sweet it's probably going to lead me to shuffle around one of mine because i think i have a kind of variation on that theme but i think both of your video game versions have been more interesting (laughs) uh so mine was halo combat evolved the original halo on xbox uh I think mainly because I sort of grew up in the PlayStation era for the most part in the sort of late 90s playing video games. And the Xbox was a f- the first kind of big step up in power and kind of graphical ability. And in terms of like how big came- games could be and how vast they could sort of look. Um, I, you look back on it now and it, it looks it looks a bit pants, but I don't I don't really remember having another time where the step up has been so noticeable that it's been you know kind of breathtaking i think everything else has been kind of gradual and now sometimes the the rose tinted glasses in my mind think there's next to no difference from today's video games to what i played when i was 15 and it's only when you go back and you think man this looks this is like dog shit <laughs> i'd forgotten uh and i think you know halo i don't think it's held up particularly well but at the time just it's it's vastness and it's capability i think was really impressive anyway uh but that's my number four <laughs> Hayla, thank you for your time um so my number four um i went for um one of the first graphic novels i ever read uh which is called jimmy corrigan the smartest kid on earth it's by this uh, artist called chris ware um i'd 
I wasn't massively into comics when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, I like the usuals, like your, your Batmans and your superheroes and stuff. And my friend showed me this book, which is, it's hard to even explain what it is about. It's its a man that's having some kind of midlife crisis and he's trying to spark up a relationship with his father. And it's its its really big and it's really deep. Like there's, there's a lot, like physically a lot to get through, but it's so meticulously drawn, beautifully drawn. It's like... Um, it's almost like a computer animation style. It's like draw, drawn on some kind of computer software, but it's like the panels are so rich with content. You can just spend hours looking at the panels. Like they're so meticulous. And like, if you've ever, if you've not checked out Chris Ware before, even just look at images on anywhere online and everything that he does, it's just like his heart goes into it. You can see it when you're looking at it and, story aside even though the story is interesting just to look at you can just get lost in the pages for hours and yeah when I when I first read that when I was younger I was it kind of opened my eyes to much like most <laughs> most of the things on my top five it kind of opened my eyes to a, a new kind of medium that I'd never seen before yeah uh Jimmy Corrigan's smartest kid on earth is uh my number four great choice one I've not come across um I often think, like, what I found with comics is the story will carry, like, mediocre art, but you need great art to be a great book. I think there's no no two ways around it. Uh, but that's a really good choice and one I hadn't sort of considered as an avenue. I think it's your number four, Andino. It is, yeah. Number four, I'm going gorillas, brackets, general. I'm 100% sure that they're not the first band that decided to have a sort of digital, like animated representation of their band. But they're certainly the first that I came across. And I think musically, they're often pretty interesting, but that, that's kind of irrelevant to this, I guess. But I think the, I think the art is super cool throughout it. And I think the the reason that I've included it in terms of like influential is that I think it just opens up like such a kind of world that they can create and there's no sort of fixed point to that world. So there isn't any reason like because of the way that they've set up the band, it means that they can like build music across any sort of genre. So there's like huge amounts of like hip hop you know alternative rock kind of art pop that sort of thing yeah massively varied and the art can just kind of go alongside that like there is no sort of fixed base for it um i find that kind of super interesting i also think like they're a band that have kind of embraced like that is their core concept as a band so it meant that they've really embraced that including doing like live things with huge animated screens behind them and the musicians in sort of shadows in front of them like they are there performing it live but the 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 visuals go alongside that and um yeah i just think it's cool is it jamie jamie hewlett yeah hewlett 
It does, it, yeah, it does all the art. Yeah, I just think it's, it's super interesting. Yeah, I, that one I'm happy with in my list. I genuinely think like it is a kind of influential pick. It is doing something that um, nobody else has done, at least to that scale. Yeah, I agree. I don't think anyone's, it may have been done before, but I don't think anyone's done it better. And I think um, I like the commitment to it as well. It wasn't just a flash in the pan thing. It's it's throughout the career. It's it's held strong, hasn't it? And they've committed to it. And like you say, done the like the the 3D holographic images and stuff. It's yeah, it's some really interesting stuff that they've done. I think it's a good choice. I'm not the biggest fan of gorillas, but I do think like having that unique sort of animation style to keep drawing from is uh yeah it's really cool it's a good choice so ah. is it your number three uh, mark God, mark i've lost, four now, I've I lost think. the uh i've lost the train of it yeah i'm gonna make a substitution based on a sam's pick of a of a kind of comic i was thinking like it's it's weird because i know obviously will was into graphic novels I was thinking, you know, it's never really been something that I was into. I was wondering why. And then I was thinking back to when I was a kid and I was actually quite into comic strips and stuff, like just the obvious ones, like Beano, Dandy, whatever else. This this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to... The one that just came to mind and actually really resonated with me is, is probably my favourite. There was this thing called Sonic the Comic, which is probably uh, years before you guys to be honest but um it, it was awesome like it had like a variety of like different characters like sonic echo the dolphin golden axe which was cool but the, the one i'm going for is there was a particular story which it continued episode to episode which was shinobi which basically now that i think about it because I, I was considering something like ninja scroll the anime film which is pretty awesome but this kind of did it for me, like years before through this through this comic, um, just you know, super cool Japanese stealthy ninja, all that stuff, and yeah, it's it's always really stuck in my mind. And you know, you got to mix these things up. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, at the end of the day, go and go on eBay. You know, will find yourself some old Sonic comics. <laughs> Yeah, find yourself some old Sonic comics and get down with some Shinobi. You'll be you'll be loving life. It's. Uh, I was going to tell you that the the Sonic you can still buy Sonic comics, but they they really? no longer they're no longer this collection of various Sega properties anymore. It's just Sonic. Yeah. I'm afraid. Maybe Lame. not what you're after. That's <laughs> quality choice. So, is that back back to me now? You're number three, Will. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. For my number three, I've got one that I think, well, I want to have as my number one. I'm worried that it might also be in Mark's list. I'll come back to it. For my number three, I'm going to go for, as a bit of a conglomerate, kind of my childhood cartoons. So the X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Et al., Street Sharks, Biker Mice from Mars, so on. Essentially just uh, half an hour adverts once a week to make me buy toys. And uh, and I did. And as an only child, got what I fucking wanted. So, <laughs> so I dumped a lot of plastic in my youth. But uh, I would get up in the morning desperately excited for 
like the cartoons to start and I knew what time they started every day I'd be up and I'd be watching and uh yeah for a big part of my childhood they were an absolute consistent uh consistent thing also Ghostbusters cartoon that was just popped back into my head that was a treat as well but that sort of I guess era of mid to late 90s cartoons as a broad as a broad swathe Johnny Quest that's some early CGI in it oh Reboot Ooh, Johnny Quest was great good yeah Re- Reboot was really like Reboot. poor C- CGI Bad. do you remember yeah. uh, Donkey Kong the uh, the series now that was some bad CGI my goodness I remember when you mentioned it Mark I do remember like there was a Sonic the Hedgehog and a Mario like animated series as well I don't remember them very well but I remember they were there that's what's important uh, I mean that's it really it's it's a bit of a catch-all maybe a bit of a cheat answer but is that sort of conglomerate of action boys cartoons to flog toys <laughs> but yeah that's it that's my number three short great. And sweet great pick because they're pretty much all great yeah yeah good shout um my number three is an anime called perfect blue i don't know if anyone's seen it it's um isn't that a pregnancy, called... pregnancy test yeah it's not the pregnancy <laughs> test no it's a 90s psychological thriller uh, anime perfect boy um it's by this guy called satoshi Kon, um and he's done maybe five or six films uh he's he's died now unfortunately but he all of his films were interesting because they're all anime but very much like like akira isn't you stand like your your Dragon Ball Zs and your Naruto's. All of these films were were pushing the envelope, which uh, as to what was considered like anime. They're all very adult, and when I say adult, I don't mean like tentacles. I mean like they were, you know, they were <laughs> <laughs> that type of adult. Yeah, not that kind of adult. They were all like psychological. They were all really like harrowing stories perfect blue um for anyone that's that's not seen it it's about um a girl in i'm guessing 90s japan who was a big pop star um and she decides to stop being a pop star and become like a try and make it in film and tv and when she when she stops the pop um and tries to make the move and all the fans kind of revolt. Um, and against that, she keeps pushing, trying to move into TV, but it's all about, it's about the social pressures of trying to change from one fan base to the other. Um, there's a few intense fans that kind of like start stalking her and pretending, going online and pretending they are her trying to live this alternate life. And it, it all kind of uh, amasses into this finale that is just—it's brutal. It's 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 very psychological, and it's it's all about like this this girl going through this depression and this this stress. And it's just for me, it was the first time I'd watched an anime that wasn't, you know, like a, a nice happy Ghibli film or something that was inoffensive. And it, it really pushed the envelope. It was like watching almost like watching something like like a Lynchian experience, like a bit of Mulholland Drive or something. It was it was psychologically testing and it 
it it really like affected me quite a lot watching it. It was, uh, but all of his films are the same. Satoshi Connie did very much sold. It sounds super cool and right up my alley. Agreed. It's yeah. not something I've seen, but yeah, you've you've absolutely sold it. It's me, isn't it? I believe so. Number three, Jason and the Argonauts. I. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad reaction, but sure. Um, brackets, uh, skeleton scenes. Um, I watched a lot of films growing up with my dad, um, but they were kind of the same films that we watched over and over. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of classic like war films and um, classic films over and over again. Jason the Argonauts was one of them. It's always... You could argue that that like stop motion animation is massively dated, but I just think it is super charming. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. I think like in the in the age of like computer generated graphics, I don't think anything. I don't know. Realism is one thing, isn't it? But I don't think anything touches uh, the coolness of. Jason and the Argonauts, and especially the like skeleton fight scenes. I love stop stop motion animation. I think it's super cool. I did film studies when I was in like sixth form and stuff, and I remember making stop motion films, and they are painstaking, and the reward afterwards is so great. <laughs> like just putting together the the entire day's work of just like singular images and stuff is is cool and yeah i can't think of a better example of it than than jason the argonauts i think it's uh superb i'll just say i um am very similar to you in that respect it used to jason and the argonauts used to be on every christmas uh, on one channel or another i think it was on channel five a lot of the time and me and my dad used to watch it every year and Ever since me and my wife have been together for the last seven years, on Christmas Day, every year I have made her watch Jason and the Argonauts, and she does not enjoy it. I don't think, I've, time. I don't think I've watched it for a good five years, maybe, but I, I've probably watched it 20 times. Uh, it's, it's, I've got to watch it soon. It's on the list. I think you've triggered the one that I was worried would be on Mark's list. So I think you may have knocked one off both of our lists. Yeah, I completely forgot Harryhausen. Uh, yeah, to I just my, had Ray. To my I, shame. Had, I had Ray Harryhausen collectively. Yeah, I, uh, it, would have, it would have been probably number one, frankly. It was going to be mine. I'm going to I'm going to shift it because it's more fun. Uh, but I was I was worried you'd have it because as soon as I thought of Ray Harryhausen, I thought oh, Mark will definitely have that. I absolutely love him. I just for some reason I just didn't make that. Not everything comes which to is mind. Absolutely does it? daft, yeah. Okay, uh, shall I go? Yes, yeah, you go for it. Okay, well, it's I, weirdly, I guess it's a sort of similar idea. I'm going with uh, Ardman and specifically uh, Wallace and Gromit, the wrong trousers. Wonderful. Um, which I think is my favorite of any Ardman that I've seen. I think it's half an hour long and it's perfect. Um, I haven't watched it for so many years, but I used to watch it all the time. It's hilarious and, yeah, just so charming. Like, there's something to that technique or whatever, 
I don't know whether that's classed as what claymation, stop motion. I guess it's stop motion, isn't it? Yeah, claymation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so expressive uh, for something like quite simple and the tactile nature of it. Like I don't know, it just really adds something different to it. But yeah, it's um, the wrong trousers specifically. I think I think it was the peak of that for me. It's a great choice, and it's too good a choice because now in in two choices I've had both of my number ones slashed away from me. Ah, uh, buddy, uh, the wrong trousers is going to be my number two. To the fact that I even in uh, music, was it A level or was it GCSE? But we had to we had to score like a bit of footage, and the one that we did was like uh, the the robbery scene of the penguin in the wrong trousers. And he had to like do all the incidental noises so awesome. of the foot, and yeah, it just lives in the mind so so much. And I also like like all the Wallace and Gromits, but the wrong trousers is the best one. Yeah, it is it is correct. So <laughs> leaves me in a bit of a tricky spot. Uh, okay, I had this in my long list, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't really gonna pick it because I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before. So I'll just make this as quick as possible. Really, uh, it's Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, it's a an animation that I came to like not as a child and enjoyed it, I think, just as much from an adult point of view. I can't but feel I've spoken about this before. So uh, a little bit of a forced pick. But that's it. I'm sure, Sam, I know you like Avatar a lot as well. Yeah, uh, thanks to you mainly, actually. Uh, I only watched it very recently, but yeah, it's, it's a great show. Um, yeah, really liked it. I always thought it looked a bit like kiddified, but no, a really, really interesting story, like really adult themes throughout. Yeah, it's uh, wall being okay for kids to watch. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. a really good show. I think it's got a good lore and a good, like the world that it's set in is quite thought out and detailed and the different peoples and kind of how they represent. So yeah, it's really good. But as I say, I don't want to drag it on because I'm sure I've done so in the past. I always know it from its uh, meme ability, I'm afraid. <laughs> It's good for memes. And I will, uh, I'll follow in Will's footsteps then. Like in, in the first podcast I was on with you, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of repetition in the uh, top five. Um, and I kind of tried to swap and change my answers. But with it being an influential one, um, Spirited Away has got to be my number two. Um, so I'll keep it brief. But yeah, it's, uh, it's the, the first anime I ever watched, Spirited Away, like when I was growing up, I didn't used to watch like anything like Dragon Ball Z, like a lot of my mates. Um, and I think I came to Spirited Away when I was like maybe like 17 or something. So I was a bit late to the game. But yeah, absolutely uh, blew my mind. I was like, it's very much like the first like world cinema film I watched. I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I've got so much to catch up on. I've got like, I've got like 30 years of animation that I need to start watching right now. Like, I'm not going to school tomorrow. I am definitely going to watch uh, all the Studio Ghibli films in order. And um, so, yeah, Spirit Away for me, uh, number two. Yeah, good I mean, choice. Sometimes you just can't shift them off your top spot, can you? Like, even if they've absolutely. been taken, yeah, they've earned their spot. Fair play. Uh, yeah, cool pick. Is that my number two? Yes, sir. This is a real pick for me, although at least I know two of you will know it. But 
uh, is not influential in terms of of scope or scale. But I've gone for the I've got another music video. I've gone the uh, the death of all the romance um, the days. Yeah, this isn't influential at all. I just I love the video. It's genuinely just a heartbreaking video. Like video of these these two what like stuffed bears essentially, and this like heartbreaking love story in the middle of an apocalypse that's happening. The the scene where she falls from the when the ground's like breaking between them and they're on either side and she falls in the middle is uh if I had a heart, I would cry at it. Um, it, it. It very much helps. It's a absolutely killer tune. Um, and it's not a fully animated video as well because it cuts between that and them playing the song in a, in a live show. But um, I don't know. I've, I've never watched anything that is three minutes long that has a very thin plot to it that's animated that actually emotionally touches me in any sort of way. <laughs> it's mm. genuinely heartbreaking. <laughs> I if, just you think, can, if you so can sell well that in three made. minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for, for uh, two, I, like, Care Bears, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you literally see his heart breaking and float away from his body at the end of the, end of the video. Oh, man, it's emotional. Yeah, I, I love the pick. I, I feel like um, Blair's Coffee and TV is perhaps uh, another that falls mm, similar one. Category. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd forgotten the video, and then as soon as you started describing it, it all came yeah, flooding same. back. <laughs> Absolutely. Be sweet. Nice. That was an excellent choice. Right. Mega quick number two. It's Akira, which we've already talked about <laughs> at some length. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, I think these the only reason it's not in my list is because we watched it today. It was the only reason I chose to exclude it. But otherwise, yeah, I, I think it probably would be. Uh-huh. So yeah, perfectly sound choice. Uh oh, with that said, I guess it's my number one. It wasn't gonna be my original number one, but you know what? I'm fairly happy with it anyway. It is Disney's Robin Hood, the uh animal variant the foxes and bears and such because this was just a, a film that i absolutely like wore to death on vhs in my youth uh, it amazed me to find out in my adulthood years later that the film is only 70 minutes long maybe where my love of short films is from uh, just over an hour long but um it feels like it was disney's 2d animation era kind of at its height uh, i think the the style and the you know the actual movement of the animation itself is a really really high quality and I, like a lot of these things just sort of stands the test of time um i can remember big bits about it i remember falling in love with uh, the rabbit maid marion and oh wait she was a fox as well a foxy fox and yeah just all the characters being big old animals and in setting a sort of twee medieval setting with a very loose attachment to actual history. But it was great. And as a kid, I was absolutely absorbed by it. So uh, Robin Hood, number one. It's really nice, nice that we've got to uh, to number one picks before a Disney has uh, reared its head for sure. But um, but yeah, great choice. And there are some 
really good like Disney and Pixar, DreamWorks stuff out there for sure. Um, but yeah, well, great they, well, they might be Robin evil. Hood. They do do good work. Okay, my number one is um, uh, Waltz with Bashir. Uh, it's um, it's by I think it's by Ari Folman, and it's it's about this guy Ari Folman is the director, but it's also about him, and it's it's his him speaking to people from his past, friends and colleagues, and um, a couple of psychologists about his time in the uh, the Lebanon War, and it's all about. He, he, he speaks to some of the the soldiers from his regiment, and it's all about what what he remembers from the Lebanon War, what is real, what he's materialized in his mind to maybe block out some of the actual imagery um, from the time. Uh, it's it's just really interesting. The animation is really really unique. Uh, it's it's got a score by Max Richter. He, he, that was the first time I'd ever listened to Matt Richter. Uh, he, he does like a, a song um, called Haunted Ocean, which is in four or five different like versions throughout the film, um, which is really harrowing. Uh, the film is really interesting. It's, it's, it's quite heavy with a couple of touches of fun in there, like a couple of really good songs in there and a couple of upbeat moments. But... Essentially, it's it's about this guy's experience with war and how much of what he remembers is real by comparison to how much of it is like a wall that he's put up a defense mechanism to to stop the you know to stop the, the imagery the horrific Trauma. imagery of war yeah coming through. Um, there's lots of like really interesting conversations with a couple of psychologists about. Um, like how how memory is affected by traumatic events, and it's just it's it's really different. It's really different. It's really heavy. Uh, I love the film. the The ending is one of the hardest hitting endings to a film that I've ever seen. It is, uh, yeah, it's, it's hefty. Uh, and there's just some there's just some lines in it. Um, there's a there's a bit where this psychologist says that a lot of people deal with the trauma by pretending that they are looking through a lens. They are a tour guide. They are a tourist in war, and they are looking at war through the camera. Mm-hmm. And it's only once that camera breaks, which happens at a certain point during your journey in life or in war, and the camera breaks, and there's that that barrier between you and the horrific imagery. And once that breaks, you have to then deal with it, and it's uh, gotta go for it. it. Yeah, it's got some really interesting imagery in it. Yeah, it sounds rad. I've not seen it, but when you mentioned the name, it rang a bell. So I looked it up, and I do remember it. I think it won tons of like festival awards at the time as well, like Cannes and Toronto and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I wanted to watch it like we did documentaries recently. I wanted to watch it for that because I think it's still kind of classed as a documentary. And I yeah, also absolutely. remember it coming out at the time and yeah, the super cool art style. I was just looking it up because I, I remembered thinking that it was like rotoscoped. Like there's a couple of Richard Linklater films, which 
a rotoscoped, which is basically when they actually filmed people acting it out and then just kind of animated over the top. And uh, yeah, according to a like quick scan, that was just screen. yeah, exactly that. Yeah, um, apparently they did not do that. The director was slightly offended that like, um, people thought that was the case, but it does sound like they actually kind of filmed it like as a sort of documentary in the first instance and then transformed it all into animation after. Quality. Sounds like a top choice. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Andy, yeah. your number one, Chieftain. Uh, number one, I'm going to go Fantasia. I think, yeah, I was going to, I was always going to put a Disney film in there and I think I've not really seen anything um, like Fantasia. Like, I understand it absolutely bombed when it came out as well and then sort of grew in appreciation for the the quality of the work that they did but yeah i don't know if anyone was doing the kind of the dark of disney like they were when it first came out and i think particularly the end of the film the kind of good versus evil like is it ave maria and something else like it's uh it's an animated kind of film of, I guess, what, maybe 10 shorts, maybe less, kind of uh, set to like classical music and the, the final uh, section has got this like, yeah, this great like good versus evil battle. Um, and yeah, the conflict is scored by these two like massively opposing pieces. And I think the... Animation is super cool, and um, and yeah, the, the, the yeah, I just hadn't seen anything like it when it first came out. I think I watched it quite quite young, and um, yeah, I think even now it is still like pretty unique. I guess. Yeah, it was in my again. It was in my long list. I sort of settled on one Disney, but it's, I think it's a really good example of animation for animation's sake. Like it's made sort of just to show off what they were capable of doing and 100% I think I think that's that's entirely the thought process behind it as well like I don't think it was not that they were expecting it to be like commercially unsuccessful but I, I kind of got the feeling that it wasn't the point of why they made it the critical thing as well which you'd not mentioned from my recollection of it is that there's no dialogue no and nothing no well that's it it's barely a film like I say it's it's a it's a it's a series of shorts set to yeah. So it's a, it's a celebration music. of uh, yeah visuals and audio, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's it is just exactly that. So yeah, I I should have put it on my list again. Uh, it's, it's one of those. As soon as all three of you have said things, I'm like, yeah, that. How did I not think of that? I did think of Fantasia for some reason. I just chose not to put it on. Okay, well, I I just well quickly. Do my number one. It's uh, just Ghibli. Very boring. But, um, yeah, it was kind of bit between Disney and Ghibli. And unlike you guys, I think you said, like, the first animated film you saw was, like, Spirited Away or whatever. That, like, definitely wasn't the case for me. I'd pretty much seen the vast majority of Disney's and probably quite a few others, Land Before Time. Um, there was loads of others, but... The Ghibli ones made the biggest impression on me. Like I, I just they're just some of my favorite films of all time still, and uh, I still love those classic Disney ones. I think they're fantastic films, but the Ghibli ones, and I can't 
narrow it down to one really because I don't even know which one is my favorite but I just think they're they're great stories they're like massively hold up to rewatches. they're just mega charming and like the actual animation as well I, I do think it's uh just it's they're just beautiful they're so detailed um and it's not always the same across Ghibli they do mix it up a little bit um but yeah the peak period probably was Spirited Away Howl's Moving Castle I think Princess Mononoke yeah one of my faves great good yeah, choices no, all around agree. yeah it was uh, it. quality uh, it was good all good stuff I'd just like to say thank you to our guest this week, the returning Sam Bates. And thank you for your choices, buddy. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was uh, really good to talk about animation for uh, two and a half hours, whatever it's been. Yeah, thanks very much. (laughs) You're very welcome. Okay, so my choices for next week, once again, thank you, Mark, for uh, for pointing it out. But a, a new release has fallen into my lap. So uh, the film I'm going to pick is No Time to Die. The album I'm going to pick is by Andrew Bird, somebody I really, really like one album of and sometimes I've struggled with other stuff. But he released an album in 2019 called My Finest Work Yet, and I'm going to find out. God. Hate it already. I mean, that's par for the course, so that's absolutely fine. And I'm, I'm going to set you another quiz. I enjoy doing the quiz and being quiz master general. But for this week at least, that is all from us at Screen and Needle. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.